This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Coda. Coda is a new kind of document that brings words, data, and teams together. It comes with a set of building blocks that anyone can combine to create a doc as powerful as an app. To have your team join free and get started working together, go to coda.io slash nomeet and sign up today. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Nomeet Athlete Radio. Guess what, Matt? What, Doug? I'm running my first race since October. You did? This weekend. Oh, you are? I am, I am yeah. Ooh, okay. Has the, have, you, have you announced this race before? Nope, because I just signed up a couple days ago. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not anything to get too excited about. Well, I am excited. I'm very excited about it. It's not, it is, not a color run, a, is it? it? <laughs> no. No. I got no, no beef with the color run. But. No, I don't either. Just, it's, it's nothing to get excited about. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's true. Uh, no, it's 10K. I haven't run it. I haven't raced a 10K uh, since uh, maybe DC days. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, I like so, it. What? So what? Yeah. Is, what race is it? Black Mountain it's local town race. Black, yeah, local Black Mountain Greenway Challenge. Okay. A little fundraiser for the Greenway and uh, be running on the Greenways and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to do it. I think I, I was at first I was gonna sign up to push the stroller with the, with both girls. And uh, I was really trying to uh, convince Katie that that was a good idea because the thought of racing a 10 K all out is, um, is much more daunting to me than pushing the yep. stroller for 10 K. Yep. Um, and having that to kind of hide behind, mm-hmm. but, uh, but she convinced me that it would be very unreliable for us to get through an hour of running with, you know, or whatever with the, with both the girls. Right. That's true. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, a casual 10K, me going out, you know, we do that fairly often, but sometimes it, something happens and, you know, someone of them starts crying and we just come home early. Can't really do that in the middle of a race. So she convinced me to, to do it without the, without the stroller, which means I actually got to race it, but wow. I'm excited. Are you I'm hoping, curious. are you thinking you might, might bring home a, a medal, maybe a little podium if you don't, <laughs> if the right people don't show up? No way. No, I don't think <laughs> no, so. Not, not a chance. <laughs> no. With all the colleges around here, they've got some speeds, some speedsters. True. Um, I actually, I haven't done many 10Ks at all. I did that one with my son back in like September. Yeah. And that was, that might have been my first race 10K ever, actually. I don't even know if I ever raced them. Hmm. But um, then with the, with the training that I've been doing, there's been like several 10K time trial distances where I'm just on my own doing it. And I've actually found it to be kind of a nice distance to do. Like I, I also like, almost every marathoner and ultra marathon I know hate five K's because it's just, it's just so painful. And like to endure whatever 20 minutes of, of that kind of pain is hard. Mm -hmm. Somehow the 10 K it was like just easy enough that it didn't feel terrible. And when it started to feel terrible, you were kind of near the end and all you had to do then was run another seven minute mile or something. And it's not like, it's just not awful. Uh, so I don't know. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what pace to run is, is kind of part of the problem. Yeah, that is hard. I, I get. I guess I'm just gonna kind of go out there and see what happens. But yeah, you know, a five k, you're just basically, you know, not like a sprint, but you're just going as hard as you can, you know, mm-hmm. panting the whole time. Yep, right. right. Half marathon, I know a comfortable pace I can drop into with the half marathon, and then kind of ramp it up at the end. Right. I don't really know about ten k. Well, just see. do your tempo pace. I know you do a tempo run every every week. With meticulous, <laughs> yeah. careful yeah. planning, and you know exactly uh-huh. the pace. You just run that pace. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Should be no problem. Yeah. Well, I'll report back soon. I'm excited about it. Good. Hope you enjoy it. Um, you, uh, you settled into your your new abode. We are not settled in, but like we're here, and there's a bunch of boxes, and things are gradually getting put together. I got uh, a pull up bar arrived yesterday from Rogue Fitness, which is exciting. So I'm nice. putting that in and put down a little rubber floor, have all my kettlebells out there lined up, done a couple workouts already. So that's a nice little situation because I used to be doing the workouts in front of the TV, like in the living room, and the dog and cat would be coming through and like endangering <laughs> their lives. Uh, so it's actually really nice to have a nice little spot for that. So that's good. And a little bit of space for drums to be set up, which is good, although that's in my office, but it, but they are set up, which is nice. And Great. Yeah, so there's just a lot. I don't know. I, I've always, for a while, have not prioritized space. I'd rather say, let's be in a good location or let's, 
you know, just keep things minimal. But it, we, you know, we figured if we're gonna buy a house, might as well have enough room. So um, it's just it's just kind of nice to be able to spread out a little bit. And now we just have to move everything in and, and unpack and all that stuff. So it, it's going to be weeks of, of this yeah. sort of limbo situation, but it's good. Good. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that chapter, I, don't, I guess it's not over yet, but I'm, I'm glad that you're, you have your house. Definitely. Yeah. It feels over for me that we're in and now we just got to <clears throat> just do a little bit more, but mm-hmm. it's good. And uh, opening day of MLB tonight, Doug, I know you're, you're <laughs> always know. a baseball fan. I am One of the few people fan. I can rely on to, to care about baseball a little bit these days. Yeah, that's right. I would say that's that's a perfect description. <laughs> care about it, care about it enough to know that today is opening day, right? But uh, not and and you know kind of some of the changes that happened to my my Washington Nationals. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm glad that they worked it out. Like glad that they're getting back to it. Yeah, I didn't. I saw a few headlines. I never actually read an article about what was the problem with the. You know, I so I scanned one article about what the problem was, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, the, the, are, uni- is it well, still the thing where they do, where they have, I mean, this, I'm, as much as I rely on you to be caring about baseball, I, I'm like just about not caring about it, but I still like the idea of it. <laughs> uh, is it still the thing where the, you know, one of the teams who was in the World Series plays on opening night and then all the rest of the teams play the next day? Is that what they were... I, I don't know. I mean, in I feel like ten years ago, it was like they would have a Sunday night opening day. Oh 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 oh! Not not that's why they were on strike. No no, unrelated to that. Yeah. Oh no, I don't <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want to get into why they're on strike. Just but yeah yeah okay okay. Is uh, is that the know. deal? Is it, is it a great teams? question. I'm not sure. I don't know. So you don't I really assume know so. about baseball. So you don't care about I don't baseball. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I do know the National League now has uh, designated hitters. That's big. That's right. I did see that. That is a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to change, that's gonna change the game, change the strategy for sure for the National League. Yeah, it, I I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of sad to see that happen because I like the leagues being a little bit different. Like, they just, mm. I don't know, they just, like, National League games just seem different to watch. And I always think that's why, because it's the biggest difference. Yeah. But I don't know. I get it. They got to they gotta make the sport better. Well, so, so I actually wish it was the other way around because I kind of like the fact that everybody has to hit. I think. Yeah, it, it makes it interesting. But that doesn't sell. Doesn't sell tickets. No, those big, those big, big bats. <laughs> they right. sell tickets. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you are you gonna dip your toe in the DraftKings waters again, or are you done with that? Are you past Ooh, that phase? You know what? Um, uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I, I should because I got really into my NCAA basketball tournament bracket. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, and I don't follow college basketball like at all like not even the slightest little bit but um all my cousins there were about 20 of us uh and uncles got into a pool and um and i got very much into it i won wow i'm happy to say Look at felt that. a little bit bad cheering against north carolina <laughs> unc <laughs> right. but i needed them to lose <laughs> in order for me to win uh-huh. um and uh and anyway so i got really into the uh to the sports not, I mean, I guess it's betting, but you know that kind of thing. Uh, cheering for teams to for monetary yeah, get a little sweat. And, uh, I know, I know. So maybe I will get back into the draft. Games. I know it's a, it's a great uh, feeling. You? How about you? Sweat. No, I have not been in. Right now, the cryptocurrency is serving the role of uh, the gambling itch <laughs> for me. But I'd like to. I, I think I keep reading that all these states are legalizing sports betting. So now, like. And when I see DraftKings ads, they're often for the sports book side of DraftKings, not just mm. the the daily fantasy thing. Uh, but it seems to me like North Carolina and South Carolina are like nowhere near doing that. So it's always I get I get mad. But then I was thinking maybe I can find one of these illegal yep. ones where you can use cryptocurrency to deposit and and no one ever knows who you are, <laughs> and then then you're in the clear. Perfect. I, I think that's that's I think it's totally what we should be promoting here. That and I mean I think that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think don't people just use VPNs and then they just get around it and you can. Yeah, you, you would think so, but then I, I don't know. But then your bank account still has to say oh, where you yeah. live. Uh-huh. Uh, but maybe there are ways. I'm, I'm sure there are many ways around it. But I've never gone down that road as much as anyway, I like. To we're not it. we're not uh, endorsing any of the skirting around laws here. Well, it's, uh, I, not, not we're not, we're not endorsing it. Do. We're neither endorsing nor not endorsing it. <laughs> we're neutral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> okay, that sounds good. 
Okay. All right. Well, we should probably switch <laughs> anyway into the uh, yeah. The we probably should thing. All right. Good. So, Doug, you what are you uh, talking about today? We're talking about a blog post that you wrote. So I'm just going to let you handle all the questions here. Uh, and this was <laughs> about oh, I, I lost it. I had it up. It was it was vegan athlete FAQ. Uh, you wrote it a while ago, and it's a very nice post. I don't know why we didn't write it a really long time ago because it it covers all these questions that we've been getting honestly for for 13 years now. Uh, you know, and these these represent I'd say 95% of the questions that we get. These whatever it is, 10 or 12 in the post. So we're not going to try to cover that many today. We've made that mistake before where we try to cover too many things at once. Uh, but we're just going to knock out a few of them. And uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll make a few episodes later that will continue this discussion. Uh, but right now, we're just getting through the first three questions or so. Plus, we had a, we had a call in on the uh, the Subway Fresh Take hotline yes. who, who left a, a message for us, the first one in, in years and years because we haven't had that thing for years. So uh, that is that is quite exciting. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, but just a little more color on this on this post. You can follow along at nomadeathlete.com slash vegan-athletes with an S-questions. Maybe we should have taken that S out. I don't know. Um, vegan-athletes questions. Uh, and basically, you know, we like you said, this covers 95% of the questions we get asked that come into the inbox. And what I was trying to do was take those questions and, because we have all those resources, or most of them, on the blog, and kind of organize it in a way that uh, you could you could get the the quick take the the TLDR version and then uh, link it out to different blog posts that would go into more depth if you're if you're trying to mm-hmm. uh, learn a bit more so and mainly um, you wrote it for Google let's be yeah. honest you, you want Google to find this thing <laughs> I, I did want Google to find it did, did Google <laughs> find it I don't, I don't even know I actually don't know <laughs> but what's good for search engines if it's well no, done I, what's good I for actually, search engines is like also good post. for people yeah, yeah, yeah I, I quite too. like this post. I do too. Um, all right, so first question is, is uh, you know, this is kind of, I hate this question, right? Everybody hates this question, or they love it, I guess. Um, <laughs> and it's been asked and answered on this podcast many, many times. But we'll just go through the through the the quick one. Where do I get my protein? Yes. As a Good vegan question. athlete. Right. So, of course, you know, it's, it's a, it is a joke how often the protein question comes up. Uh I actually think it shouldn't be a joke, though. Like, it really is a, a thing. And I've noticed it in my own life and my kids' lives that, like, it's kind of just easy to not get that much protein. It's not that it's, not that it's hard to get it, um, but it's also really easy. And I've done this several times since I've been plant-based. Like, to just go through a period where you, you forget about protein, you, you're so confident in your diet that you don't even think about it. And then a few months later, you kind of do think about it, and you realize that you have sort of let yourself stop eating much protein. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, for a long time, everyone was saying, you don't have to worry about it. It's in whole foods. You, you're just going to get it if you just eat whole plant foods. And that is true. Uh, but recently, I've seen more and more of these plant-based doctors, particularly the longevity-focused ones who are talking maybe a little bit more to an older audience. Uh, and people over 60 or 65, they, they do need more protein than those who are younger, at least on a, on a per-calorie or as a percentage of your calorie basis. Um and so maybe that maybe it's kind of directed at that audience, but it just seems to me that you hear a little bit more of these doctors saying that protein is a good thing rather than saying you don't have to worry about protein; it's completely overblown. Blown. Just just eat your food and you'll get the protein. Yeah, I mean there was there was a you know the proteinaholics phase, right? When that when that book yep. was released, it was actually you know you're getting way too much protein, and and protein is kind of was like vilified in some ways. Right, right. So. Anyway, so for me these days, it's something that I like. I don't count or measure. Uh, I try to build in things. We've I keep mentioning bonza pasta on here, but I'm such a fan of it. Uh, it's just a really and like I like it especially because my son Holden, who who I'm most concerned about with with diet because he is, you know has a lot of potential as an athlete. Um, he won't eat beans. He doesn't like beans. He never has liked the texture of them. And if you eat a plant based diet and you don't eat beans, it's like well then where are you going to get protein from other than tofu? So. I love it for that, the, the pasta, because he'll eat it, and it's getting chickpeas, basically. Um, so I like I, I kind of like to swap things and get protein where I can in place of carbohydrate, where I used to say I didn't care about that. Um, we've got our complement protein powder, which we put in smoothies. Uh, and so the, the big thing, well, let's back up just a little bit. As far as how much you actually need, there are a couple different ways to 
think about that. One of them is is as a percentage of your total calories, and this used to be the one that I paid more attention to. Uh, and for me, if you're between like 12 and 15% of your total calories coming from protein, then you're in pretty good shape. And pretty much any athlete we've talked to, um, especially in the early days, with the plant-based athlete, we ran into a few athletes, with the book, The Plant-Based Athlete, and all the interviews there, there were a few athletes who were getting more protein than this. But largely, and especially among endurance athletes, <clears throat> the 12 to 15% of calories range was was kind of the popular one. Um, and if you're going to do that calculation on your own, keep in mind that, that protein and carbohydrate have four calories per gram, where fat has nine calories per gram. So that doesn't mean that your protein grams is is 12 to 15% of your total grams of, of those macronutrients. You have to first convert to calories and then do the, do the percentage. Um, so you can get it that way. You can also just sort of eyeball the foods you're eating and look at the, the nutrition labels or, you know, Google it if it's an apple and just, you know, find the nutrition. And you can just sort of make sure that that each food that you're getting throughout the day is somewhere in that range. Uh, or, or better said, not each food, but the, that most of the foods you're getting throughout the day are somewhere near that range. Um, so that's like the percentage way. I think the more popular, more common way is to just say how much grams of protein, how many grams of protein per pound do I need? And the figure to per use here, yep. yeah, sorry, uh, per pound of body weight on a daily basis. The figure that like the, the government thing that, that everyone knows uh, and has always written is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. But there's actually a paper uh, by the American Dietetic Association that uh, was highlighted on Nomad Athlete in a really good post we have on this uh, written by Stephanie McNeil. Um, and it's called Protein and the Vegan Athlete, All You Really Need to Know. So if you Google Nomad Athlete, Protein Vegan Athlete, you'll find that one. Um, that one gets into a little more specific stuff, like this American Dietetic Association <coughs> article, which actually says that it gives a slightly higher amount, um, <coughs> which is 1.3 to 1.8 grams per kilogram. And that amount is already adjusted for vegetarian slash vegans who need a little bit more than the general population because our protein is slightly less absorbable than uh, animal protein is. So that 1.3 to 1.8 is a, is a decent thing. If you could be on the lower end of that range, if you're an endurance athlete, on the higher end of that range, if you are a strength athlete, uh, and to convert that to pounds, which I did for you, uh, it's roughly 0.6 to 0.8 grams of, of protein per pound of body weight per day. So if you were to weigh, uh, say, 200 pounds, then you're looking at 120 to 160 grams of protein. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, 160, 120 to 160 grams of protein per day. Now, that's for a 200-pound person, so, so most people aren't going to be quite that big uh, and won't need quite that much protein. Uh, so, yeah, so we did, the only thing I haven't gotten into there, Doug, is amino acids and lysine, uh, but I've been talking for a while, so if you want to jump in and add some color, by all means, do. Well, I just, so I would just... Uh... I went. To, I was doing some research recently for a compliment blog post and uh, looking at that 65 plus um, kind of the older demographic and how it changes for them. And um, I was surprised at how high the recommendation or the like common recommendation is for that age bracket. Mm -hmm. um, and it actually goes up. You know, a lot of uh, studies are recommending between 1.2 and 2 grams per kilogram of body weight. Okay. So that's uh, that's quite a bit more. And that's even that's not necessarily for athletes, right? No, that's just for sixty-five plus. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, let's see, there, it was less absorbable. It was just kind of they just needed more to support their their bone and their uh, and their muscle development. Yep. So uh, yeah, so very similar range actually to the athlete range, uh, but I think that's probably not adjusted for plant-based protein. So you'd have to add ten percent to that. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, this is a, a significant amount of protein compared to just don't worry about it and, and eat whatever right, you want yeah. and hope that hope that it shows up. Because uh, like, I think the Forks Over Knives camp, uh, at least I think there's I think Colin Campbell in that movie says something about getting 10% protein. And he talks about how, or 10% of your calories from protein. He talks about how, how white rice, uh, one of the lowest protein foods, even has around that much protein. So basically you don't need to worry about it. But that 10% number will get you pretty low on these on, compared to these numbers that we are talking about so right and yeah. not necessarily the right amino acids which uh which you were alluding to earlier so why don't you talk about amino since i think that that is often overlooked uh by people who just assume that they are getting enough protein yes and this is this is to me the big difference between animal and plant protein because people ask about the protein quality and they can say well look you know so, so yes you can keep eating uh 
whatever beans you eat or whatever bonds of pasta you eat, and you can get your numbers up to what animal protein is, or sorry, what, what you might get, what you're supposed to get from, from a, a, a government or an American Dietetic Association uh, guidelines point of view. But then they will argue, this is the, the meat eaters, will argue that protein's not the same quality and you're not going to get in the same, it's just not as good. Well, really all, all we're talking about here is amino acids because that's what protein's made up of. Um, the, the myth of having to combine proteins in, within each meal to get a complete amino acid profile, which is just persists today, uh, is actually a myth. Uh, you don't have to do that. Your, your body pulls the amino acids throughout the day. Um, so as long as you're getting a nice variety of foods in your diet and your, your foods are actually getting all the amino acids, it doesn't matter that you're doing it in the same meal. So don't worry about any kind of food combining like that. Uh, that's, that's pretty much nonsense. Uh, but there is one in particular, actually there are two, lysine and leucine. They tend to have the same sources. There's a lot of overlap between the sources that provide lysine and the sources that provide leucine. Um, lysine, it seems to be the one that's just a little bit more popular to, to talk about. Uh, so we'll focus on that as well. But basically this is like the limiting, known as the limiting amino acid in a plant-based diet. And the, the common wisdom here among nutritionists is that if you're getting enough lysine, if you're getting enough of this one particular amino acid, then you're probably getting enough of all the other protein. You're probably getting enough protein in general, uh, <clears throat> as someone who eats a plant-based diet, just because lysine is kind of hard to come by. So if you're doing enough, a good enough job of getting it, uh, that means you're probably eating enough protein overall, uh, if that makes sense. But uh, it's pretty easy to just not get lysine. Like the, here are the foods that are richest in lysine. Uh, this is from that blog post, again, that I mentioned earlier. Um, in order, tempeh, seitan, lentils, and tofu. So lentils stands out there as the one that is the completely whole food uh, among those. Um, tempeh and tofu are soy products, so you've got a lot of people avoiding those, even though uh, they are, to me, healthier than seitan. Uh, and then seitan is, is just made from wheat gluten. So even though it has a lot of protein, the, the protein digestibility score is not really that high. Protein digestibility of wheat uh, is, is not good at all. So it's like, I think it's like half of, of you know, you, basically that protein counts for something like half. Uh, don't quote me on that exact number because it was a while ago that I looked that up. But uh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's pretty important because seitan is, is always yeah. listed as a huge protein. Source. And it is. I mean, in terms of grams, it packs a lot. And even lysine, it packs a lot. Uh, but you kind of have to discount it by by the digest, which is true of all proteins. You should look up their digestibility score if you have any one food representing a large part of your your protein intake, um, and and see if you need to be significantly discounting it. So anyway, um, seitan. I like seitan because it's a really good meat substitute. It's my favorite of the meat substitutes. Um, <clears throat> although sometimes you get the like the tofurkey brand stuff, they actually start with tofu and maybe they add some some wheat gluten in there. But uh, a lot of their first ingredients is just tofu, which to me is it's not quite a whole food, but it's not that far from being a whole food. So I think it's a, a very healthy choice. Um, but anyway, and next on the list are, are even rarer foods, amaranth, quinoa, pistachios, and pumpkin seeds. I mean, those, those you know, you might eat one of those once a week, but most people aren't eating those very often. So you can see why this is just doesn't show up that much in plant-based diets. Um, if you eat a lot of tofu, then you're probably good. If you eat a lot of lentils, you're good. And, and you know, other beans have lysine as well. But anyway, this is this is my focus these days. By the way, this is why we put we, we designed complement protein to have a really nice amount of lysine and leucine. I believe one serving has like half of your your daily recommended lysine and leucine uh, in that range anyway. Um, so if you can get a little bit of a scoop of that or some other protein powder that that has the same amino acid profile, if you can find one, um, you know that that will just help. And that's kind of our strategies. Whereas I used to not be a really big fan of protein powder. I just didn't think it was necessary. Now I still don't think it's necessary, but I think it's a, a really nice, convenient way to to know, to just sort of have this peace of mind that know that you're getting enough lysine and leucine and therefore probably enough protein. Which I think I think that that plays, because I'm, I'm the same way. I never <laughs> used to take a protein powder until, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago, uh, two years ago, we started doing it more regularly in our smoothies. And, and, uh, and now we kind of, especially with the girls, we mix it in to oatmeal and, mm-hmm. and, stuff like that. Um, you know, which is kind of how my protein philosophy has shifted over the last couple of years was, you know, went from when I first went vegetarian, vegan to like, well, when I first went vegetarian, it was like, okay, what is my protein going to be? Right. And I had to like find the protein on my plate and replace, you know, replace the meat with 
with some sort of protein source because mm-hmm. I thought that's exactly what I had to do. And then it kind of gradually shifted to I just don't worry about protein at all anymore. And lots of times there would be no bean or, or lentil or anything like that uh, and as part of my meal to, okay, let's be a little bit more intentional. I'm not going to stress about it. I'm not going to count my, my, my grams. I'm not going to do any of that, but I'm, I'm going to be just a little bit more intentional. I'm going to use a protein powder in my smoothie because why not? I'm going to uh, you know, make sure that I, I'm adding beans to my stir fry and, you know, or, or tofu to my stir fry just to have a little bit of something. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's not putting a lot of stress on it for me. It's just, it's just making sure that you know, I'm, I'm being thoughtful in the same way that I'm being thoughtful about adding greens or adding you know, some other, a variety of vegetables. You know, now I'm, I'm just making sure that I'm being thoughtful about adding protein to, to everything because it's actually, you know, it's generally pretty easy to, to add something um, or to just make sure that that's on the plate and, and, uh, and not have it be this whole other dish that you're having to make that is, you know, your protein for the, for the meal. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, I think thinking of it in the same way as you think about greens or vegetables in general is, is a really good uh way of doing it because those those things have are kind of the same thing we're like they're not hard to get it's not hard to add some extra spinach to your to your stir fry or soup or just you know have a salad um but it's also really easy not to do it when you're busy and it's it's just not the most convenient thing to to have and it doesn't show up in most convenient foods um and protein's really the same way so like if yeah it's just a great thing to do if you can if you can add a little bit here and there you don't need to make a whole separate dish um but but just get it into your meal and that actually was from the very early days as much as I kind of stopped thinking this way and moved away from this, at the beginning when I was what I thought was sort of hyper afraid about protein, my rule was like always have some protein in every meal. Have something that I could say this is the protein source in that meal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether that's hummus or or even peanut butter spread on a bagel if you're going to have a bagel. Um, yeah. You know, just add, add something that, that you can say that's sort of a protein source. So we've kind of broken down a lot of things here and we talked about sources of um, lysine. We didn't really answer the question like, where do you get this protein? Um, but we've kind of mentioned these things in, in the course of this answer. So um, the obvious one for me is beans. Like we, I, I eat beans just about every single day. Um, I always try to eat more. To me, beans are one of the healthiest foods you can possibly eat. So if I if I can put twice as many beans on a salad, um, then I will do that. And so like just very often, I'm always trying to get a little bit more beans. Often just eat just beans for lunch now and then. Um <clears throat> So beans are my favorite ones. Chickpeas are probably my favorite of the beans. Uh, lentils, of course, are also really good. Uh, but really, just lots of beans. If you eat a plant-based diet and you're focusing on whole foods, it's kind of hard to to avoid eating a lot of beans. Um, tofu is a pretty common one in my house. No reason to be afraid of soy. We have a post about that as well. Google No Meat Athlete, uh, I think, is soy safe or something like that, and you'll find you'll find our answer to that one. Uh, but to me, no reason to be afraid of soy. Uh, and like I said earlier, tempeh and tofu are not, uh, they're not very processed. They are, they are processed foods slightly, but, uh, but beans in general are so healthy that slightly processed versions of beans, which are tempeh and tofu, uh, to me are, are extremely healthy. So beans is the big one. Nuts and seeds, of course. Some whole grains actually have, uh, have a decent amount of protein in them. Um, and what else, Doug? Am I, are there more protein sources? I mean, of course, it's in, as we said, it's in a lot of stuff. If it's in, you know, like we said, spinach, that has a very high protein content. It's just hard to, by percentage, but it's just hard to eat that much spinach that would actually significantly add to your protein in a day. So I don't really count that one. I don't, I don't use that. Um, you know yeah. what, Doug? I was talking about broccoli when I just talked about spinach, but uh, I'm guessing the same is true for spinach. You know you know what we do have been on a kick for recently? And this started from a, a Issa, Issa Does It mm-hmm. recipe where she put lentils in um, in her pasta sauce. Yeah, I love that recipe. Um, we now put lentils in pretty much any, any sauce. I mean, not any sauce really, but like uh, any sort of pasta sauce, whether it's red or, or uh, like cashew cream based or something like that. Ah. Um, we, we just, uh, like it doesn't add a ton of flavor, but it adds a nice texture and a nice kind of, quote meatiness to it and uh and then of course it's a great uh protein source and the girls will gobble it up like if we give them a serving of lentils they you know especially eliza our older one won't won't really eat it but um Mm. but if it's in the sauce like they just they don't even mind it you know any sort of uh vegan mac and cheese or anything like that we add lentils to it and it's it's just delicious it's great yeah i love lentils i don't eat enough lentils i should i should do more of that um i often eat the red lentils in different things 
where when you cook mm. them, they they lose their form and they kind of become almost like yeah, a hummus like texture. Mm. Yeah, and, and I do that because the kids will eat that, uh, or my son will eat that. But uh, yeah. but good old brown lentils are actually really good, and I don't I don't make them enough. So I'm I'm gonna give one more kid tip. Um, okay. That this may be uh, Eliza specific. I don't know. Never tested it with anyone else, but for the last six months, probably we uh, every other day, pretty much, she makes a bean salad, which is just uh, a can of beans and um, either some peas or some edamame uh, or some some sort of other um, vegetable. She'll do a, a sometimes corn if she's doing like a black bean salad. And then she usually adds a little bit of vegan cheese, like shredded cheese in there. And then she can add some crushed carrots or whatever. She just kind of makes the salad. We throw on some sort of um, homemade dressing. And uh, and she just, she'll eat that with every single meal without, hmm. a, without a question. She'll just you yeah. know, have a, a, a side of a bean salad. And, um, and you can, you know, you can have so much different variety with it. And, and kind of do it whatever she's feeling like it that day. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's been a huge, huge help for us to get both vegetables, but also a lot of whole beans in, in her in her body, in her diet. I like it. If you can get your kids to do that, uh, you are doing a good job. One of my the key kids The key that. is having them make it, for sure, for uh-huh. us anyway. Right. Yeah, that's always good. If you, can, if you can get them to be as close as possible to the source of the food, especially like something like gardening. Uh, but, but of course the next best is making it from the grocery store stuff. Uh, that, that makes the food seem a lot less weird and gross. So good tip. Um, finally, Doug, we, I know we need to move on from protein here, but, uh, we haven't really mentioned our favorite topic, which is, which is vegan meats, meat substitutes. I mentioned uh, yes. tofurkey very quickly, <laughs> uh, but, uh, we, we would be remiss not to, not to go into beyond burgers and things like that since we talk about it so often. Uh, we do talk about it often, but neither of us considers it a health food it's it's uh it's an okay thing to have pamela ferguson who actually i think stephanie if i'm not mistaken was her her assistant stephanie mcneil the one who wrote this protein article i've been that's right referencing um when pamela was on our podcast a couple months ago she talked about these and you know she's a she's a uh, an rd phd so she knows a lot about nutrition and she said use these things as like a flavoring thing or something to add some variety and keep you excited about the food you're eating um but like, just use a little bit. You don't need if you're going to make a pasta sauce. You don't need to base it on on Beyond Beef crumbles. Uh, just put a tiny little bit in there, and and it adds some variety and texture, and, and makes it kind of interesting, and you know, makes it good. Uh, but like, don't think of that as like this is a good protein source. So I'm going to try to get a Beyond sausage every day because that's adding to my protein number. Uh, <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people do that. I think a ton of people do that because a lot of the marketing is about how this has as much protein as as meat does, uh, and people have this still kind of warped idea that the more protein the better no matter you know how you're getting it it's not that that's and and, you know going back to what i was saying about when i first went vegetarian like that's if i had beyond burgers and impossible burgers and beyond nuggets and all that stuff um at my disposal at the time like i would have 100 percent just replaced the meat i was eating with with one of these uh alternatives you know yeah, and I did do that some, but they just weren't very good. <laughs> now they're now they're delicious. <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah, and it's not like it's not that they are bad. I think most of the Beyond Meat and the Impossible stuff, uh, it comes with a whole lot of coconut oil, which is a whole different issue. And I don't think a little bit of coconut oil is a problem. It has a high saturated fat, so if you if you have heart disease, it's probably not the best choice. Um, but it's just not something that you want to have it like all the time. Every not every day, maybe not even once a week. Uh, do you want? This what you're getting out of vegan meat, um, it's just it's just not I don't know, and you certainly don't want it to become 100 percent of your of your of your protein. Yeah. Okay. No, definitely not. I think we checked that box. Not right. something to be scared of, but uh, yeah, not something to lean on too heavily. All right. So uh, before we go to the next two questions, which I think both of them will be a little bit quicker, uh, if you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering. <laughs> Why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Coda. Coda is a new kind of document that brings words, data, and teams together. It comes with a set of building blocks that anyone can combine to create a doc as powerful as an app. With teams spread across the country and, and workflows spread out, this leads to jumping back and forth between documents, spreadsheets, and workflow apps to get 
to get anything done. You can use your own setup to suit your needs with the ability for customization overall and the option for each team member to organize it their own way. There are plenty of template options for everyone from meeting notes to a product roadmap to remote onboarding and a whole lot more. As your team grows and your strategies evolve, Coda can grow with you and adapt. You can also connect and integrate any other tools you use, such as Slack, Google Calendar, Gmail, Shopify, Dropbox, and more. They connect your doc to the app of your choice, so you can pull live data in and push updates out automatically. Matt, I have been using Coda. My wife and I have been using Coda as we have organized our uh, our garage renovation and office renovation uh-huh. because we have a spreadsheet with the – or we had a spreadsheet with the uh, – tracking all of our, our purchases, our budget. We had all of our inspiration in a different place. We had um, just links out to everything and communications out to everything and just all these different places. We have used, I have been using Coda to combine it all into one place to have everything at my fingertips so that I can look at the inspiration for what, uh, what water heater I want to get mm-hmm. and then you know just make sure it fits in within the budget and wham, bam, it's all, all in one place. <laughs> do, do you have a uh, water heater vision board where you, where you look at the <laughs> I, I, I had a board of all my water heaters. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, but you know, water heater, you know, we went back and forth on a lot of different types of water heaters. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot, of, a lot of anxiety around that. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I thought I was assuming this was just for work teams, but that actually we, we could use that ourselves. We're trying to plan out different rooms in our new house and kind of how we want to design yeah. them and decorate them. And never paid attention to that stuff before, but it sounds to me like Coda would, uh, would be very helpful. Absolutely. To have your team join free and get started working together, go to coda.io slash no meat and sign up today. That's C-O-D-A dot I-O slash no meat to get your team started today for free. All right, Doug, on to the next question. And I'm going to ask you this question because you are an expert in this because you a long time ago wrote a nomad athlete post specifically about this thing. You were you were reviewing Goo's energy gels, I think. Yeah, I was I was reviewing the gels. Uh-huh. This was before the gummies I think became the dominant. I, I don't know if they become more dominant than gels, but uh, certainly way before everyone has gone vegan pretty much and and all of these kind of more uh, alternative gel um, products have come out and um, but so the question is, are sports nutrition products, gels, gummies, and energy bars vegan? Um, you know, 10 years ago, most of them weren't. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of them are. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. So a lot of your your typical gels that you would see, like Cliff or Goo or uh, I don't even know, Huma, um, Spring Energy, you know, all those, uh, for the most part, are, are vegan. The big ingredient that would not be vegan in, in some of these is honey, especially like honey stinger. Mm-hmm. As, you know, a lot of them kind of utilize honey as a, as a sugar source, um, and, and that is not vegan. If you, uh, well, it's just not vegan. There's no if about it. Um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, the, so, so you do need to kind of look out for that, but for the most part, the gels uh, are vegan, and the same goes for the gummies, and that, again, used to not be the case, but a lot of the gummies have, have moved in that direction. Yeah, because things like, I mean, mainstream gummy bears, uh, almost never vegan, unless you that's right. try to get that. Gummy worms, gummy, uh, mm-hmm. and any gummy shape animal you can think of, typically not vegan. <laughs> Gummy bear? No, wait, we already did that one. Gummy. We did bears and worms, but I know there's other gummy. The gummy rings. You can get gummy uh, lifesavers. Gummy rings, yeah. Oh, gummy sharks. Big gummy shark. Oh, yeah. Sharkies, right? There wasn't sharkies or, a uh, running thing. Uh-huh. Sharkies? What? Yeah, sharkies used to be like, well, I think was kind of one of the earliest vegan, not vegan, earliest running gummies there were. I have no idea if it was vegan back then or not. Um, but if they're still around, I'm, I'm guessing they've made it vegan. I have never even heard of that. This was early in running. This was like 2003 era. Okay. Must be pre... <laughs> uh, you know, I was big... Goos were like the, the really... The original gel that kind of... That I worked with. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were not vegan at the time, although they have become vegan since. Right. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> a lot of that stuff... A lot of that stuff is vegan now. It's, it's also very... Um, pretty much all of their websites will say it now, which is it's just real easy to find out. If you just Google whatever product it is in vegan, most mm-hmm. of them will say that. Again, that wasn't really a thing that people were talking about at the time, uh, and that, that kind of has trans- transitioned. But 
I do want to, you know, bars, of course, are a little a little different. Um, in the, a lot of them would use egg or, or something else as a binder. Um, and uh, and you, so you have to be a little bit more careful about that. But I think that the kind of the bigger question here is, is do you need energy gels? Do you need gummies? And is there a whole food fruit-based source instead? Right. And I think it, it depends on what you are using it for. And, of course, it depends on personal preference as well. Um, for kind of shorter distance races, um, I mean, you can definitely get by with, with the other. Well, it's even true of longer distance races. You can get by with, you know, eating bananas instead of uh, instead of your, your sports gel. Or dates would probably be a better choice. Medjool dates are just a wonderful uh, energy source, a very quick digesting carbohydrate. Um, they come with fiber that is present in whole foods, which it makes generally makes whole foods healthier. That's part of why we want to eat whole foods, because the fiber has not been removed. Um but that that can make them less than ideal. Mike Arnstein, who was known as the fruitarian, he used to eat all these dates, and that was his thing. Is he only ate dates? Um, except he found out that on race days he had to eat gels because he said they were built for performance, and that meant not having fiber, which you know fiber can lead to bathroom issues if you're running 100 miles like he was. Um, so like it just it kind of depends, and and so like you can train and train with all the healthy food, and just on race day use these more performance foods if you think your stomach can can tolerate them. Um, but I don't know for me, like the intensity that I typically race and, and the priority that I give sports versus kind of overall health to me, I, I don't really see any, any need to, to eat gummies or gels anymore. Um, we have a product called plant bites, which is, which is made, um, largely from whole foods plus complement protein powder in the, in the protein version of them. Uh, there's a version mm-hmm. without as well. Um, but it's basically dried fruit. Like that is, that is almost all you're eating. Uh, so I love those. To me, those are a really good workout food, and we're going to be talking in a little bit about uh, about pre, during, post workouts, and that's they're one of my one of my go to choices for that. Uh, but plant bites, the the non protein version, especially, they work really really well for uh, for you know as as replacing your the dates or not the dates, replacing the uh, the gels or the gummies or whatever sort of processed thing you might have. Um, they're great for that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we designed them to mimic the nutrient profile and the you know the sugar profile and all that stuff of of a, a processed gummy, you know, and just doing it in whole food form. Yes, there you go. So I think we should just shift to the third question now because this transitions right into that. Um, mm-hmm. The last question we want to address in this episode, anyway, is what should I eat before, during, and after a workout? Um, so you, Doug, were asking, you know, do we actually need these things? And Again, it depends on what your workout is and what your goals are. Uh, if you, for example, were, were running something longer than a marathon, uh, you're probably going to want some food that isn't like mostly sugar. Uh, and, and I say that in not not in any kind of judgmental way. I mean, sugar is usually what you're trying to get when you when you are fueling a, a sports event. Uh, but as you get longer distances, you might be wanting to more rely on the body's fat. Uh, for fuel, you may not want the super processed stuff, and also you may just be, not be able to tolerate uh, eating sugar for that long. You get really tired of eating sugar after whatever mm-hmm. thirty miles. It's just very hard to to keep doing that. Your body wants something different. Um, so, like you know, you can you can eat all different foods during a thing like that. And, and if if the intensity is low enough, as low as an ultra marathon is, uh, and if someone doesn't run ultra marathons, that may sound um, like a strange statement. But I mean, the, the intensity is so low. Because that's the only way you can run for 50 miles or 100 miles is if you're, you know, at a very, very slow jog to, to last that long. So you can actually eat foods that are more like meals. And, and for many runners, you probably should eat those kind of foods. Um, especially because if that's the thing that sounds good at the time, then it's probably what you should be eating. Because uh, the big challenge eventually becomes eating enough calories, period, to keep up with what you're burning. Uh, so anything that sounds good and that your stomach is going to want uh, is a good choice. So... That's a little bit of a digression into ultra running. Um, for most, you know, normal, typical workouts, uh, assuming you actually need food around your workout, because don't make the mistake of assuming that, like, just because you're going to go do 30 minutes easy run on the treadmill today, you should be drinking Gatorade that whole time, which, you know, marketing people would have you believe. Uh, but honestly, if you do that, you will be you will be very – that is counterproductive to usually the goal of, of – being on the treadmill for 30 minutes or going for a 30 minute run. Um, if, if a, you know, having a date before it or something helps you to just kind of feel energized to do it, then, then great. Uh, but there's no reason to, to get 60 grams of sugar, uh, you know, for your 45 minute run. Um, so like 
you know, our, our guidelines is this three, four, five situation, which is just kind of easy to remember. That's before your workout, you want three to one for your carbohydrate to protein ratio. So if you're getting, say, 60 grams of carbohydrate, then you would want 20 grams of protein. Uh, during the workout, you go for four to one. After the workout, five to one. This this three, four, five thing, honestly, is like, it, it's easy to remember. That's why we have it. But you can make it even easier to remember by just doing four to one all the time. Just think four to one. Um, I think mo- most commonly I see three to one mentioned before your workout and then four to one during and four to one after. Uh, but the bigger picture here is like that kind of nuance to me is is way more than is really important. The important thing is that you're thinking about workout nutrition and that you're eating roughly the right food. So if you're just going to say around four to one um, carbohydrate to protein ratio, like that, that's a pretty much as close as you're going to get to ideal, uh, assuming you've got some other priorities going on in your life. So not something to stress about. But aim for those things. Like the big thing here, as I kind of mentioned with the with the example of, of having Gatorade for your 30-minute run, is that you typically don't need food during a workout. Like it's it's only on workouts that are that are over about an hour and a half that your body can actually begin to run out right. of its glycogen stores, which is which is the, the energy that it stores in the in the muscles. Um, and that's those are the workouts where you need to replenish. And you do typically need to re- begin replenishing before that you hit that that 90 minute point right you don't want to, you don't want to run out and then start to try to replenish right but if your workout's not going to be more than that long and for some people it might be an hour and 15 minutes and it depends on your your intensity and you need to figure this out on your own um but if your workout's gonna not be that long then you don't have to worry about it it's okay if you if you kind of start to run out um you don't want to run out. i mean if you do that your your brain starts shutting down your body so that it can you know preserve its own function uh, and that is known as a bonk and it is not good at all. And you get disoriented and it's weird. Um, just, you don't want, you don't do that, but I don't know. I just, I think people tend to eat too much during their workouts. Like it's a good thing. Sometimes eating more will help you get the very best workout and you can. On the other hand, if you can get used to not eating so much during your workouts, your body will naturally learn to burn fat instead of relying on sugar. Uh, and that's going to set you up for, for more success later because now you won't need to fuel so much and you won't, if let's say you're running ultra marathons, you won't have to deal so much with this problem of not being able to keep up with your caloric intake as, as you know, at, at the amount that you're, that you're burning it. Yeah. So before we kind of very quickly run through some examples, how often are you actually, you know, you're working out a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I certainly have, I'm, I'm working out every day right now. I'm going through a little streak, but um, certainly gone through longer, more intense phases of, of workouts. How often are you, act, are you actually thinking about workout nutrition? Um, I think almost every time that I do a workout, I eat something immediately afterwards. And largely it's not that I have to think about it. It's just that I want something afterwards. And then mm-hmm. when I want something, I will think about what's going to be a good choice. So, you know, after any kettlebell workout, which is most of my workouts, uh, I will typically go have like three uh, plant protein bites. And where's the protein plant bites? I always forget the, the name. <laughs> anyway, plant, uh, plant bites with protein. But like that's, that's a good example of, of our answer to the first question of like just trying to get a little bit more protein here and there. I used to not worry about that very much. Uh, I was all about just replace the carbohydrates after protein or after a workout. Uh, but these days, I, I like to get a little bit more, and, and if it comes from powder, because that's what's in the, the, the protein plant bites is, is complement protein powder. Um, so, you know, but, like, I'm, I'm, all, I'm good with that. Like, I think it's a, it's a good thing to get more. So, um, yeah, so that, that's typically what I do. I might have some coconut water. I've been really into coconut water recently. And so if I go out for, like, a, a 30 or 45-minute run, when I get back, typically that's just what I kind of want is, is 8 or 16 ounces of coconut water. Um, I know you, this is going off topic just slightly from your question, Doug, but the strategy that I most often use for intense workouts or races um, or longer workouts, I wouldn't do this after, after you know, a 45-minute easy run, but after like a hard workout, typically it's something high carbohydrate immediately after, and this is that five to one idea that you're getting more carbohydrate, much more carbohydrate than protein in that immediate after, uh, whatever, 15 minutes post-workout window. Uh, and then like, you know, with, within two hours, you're probably going to be eating, you're probably going to be bumping up against some meal time when you're now eating a more typical plant-based meal. Um, but that's a meal that you want to make sure that it's a good one. Like you want to have that meal full of, of, uh, first of all, not just have some protein in there. Um, so hopefully some beans or something like that, but, but the, the vegetables particularly, um, 
that, like that's what makes a plant by plant-based diet so good for athletes is the vegetables and i mean the fruits too uh and all the foods and the fact that they're whole but uh you want to be getting these these foods that are you know high in antioxidants high in anti-inflammatory compounds those to me are like that is the secret weapon that makes a plant-based diet so great for recovery uh and it's very easy if you get hung up on these these macronutrient ratios like we're talking about here to you know try to do it with with protein powder and and carbohydrate replacement drink and like forget that the whole point of this diet if you're doing it for athletic reasons is those whole foods particularly the vegetables and the leafy greens uh i mean that's that's a huge part so put that into that meal that that second meal you have you know shortly after your workout make sure you get those things in there and honestly get it throughout the day because it's going to help you with with recovery more than anything else yeah I got nothing else to add. To what about you? How 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 often are you thinking about workout? I mean, do you think about before and see you you run long enough that you're probably thinking about during your workout nutrition. Yeah, so uh, I very similar. Where most of my thought goes into the afterwards, and it's not actually a lot of thought. It's just making sure that I'm eating something mm-hmm. uh, or have something. Lots of times that is, is like a smoothie or or something along those lines. Um, plant bites for sure, but it's just uh you know something something simple and easy within the first you know, 20 minutes or so of, of my post-workout. For the longer stuff, though, I am oftentimes just uh, bringing some fruit or bringing a little pack of plant bites. Um, you know, I, I I am rarely these days, like, really thinking through, um, I need this at this hour mark and this at that hour mark. And, and a lot of that is just learned, you know, because I've my body has kind of just knows when it needs food and I can you know, there are different triggers that uh, were telling me that I should probably be fueling at this point. Um, but, you know, so I, try, so I try to keep it simple and just bring in some, some whole foods or, uh, or some plant bites with me. Every once in a while, I'll throw in a, a, a pack of, of gummies or something like that if, if I'm going a lot longer than, uh, than a couple hours. And, um, yeah, and just kind of take it every, every hour or so. And, and that, that's the simple strategy you know just make sure that you're you're staying on top of it and um and being a little bit thoughtful about it but not overthinking it because i think you can also overthink it and then it gets stressful and and you know your your watch is pinging at you that you need to eat and uh and maybe yeah then you have to stop and take your pack off and all that stuff so uh that, that's kind of my strategy of, of course on race day it's a little bit more intense and a little bit more yeah, and that's that's the last thing I want to mention is we like neither of us really prioritizes the before the workout meal, and the reason for me is like it's there are a lot of benefits to working out in a fasted or semi-fasted state. So to put fuel into your body, to put carbohydrate into your body, uh, that basically is going to tell your body start burning sugar. Um, in many ways, it's counterproductive to what people are trying to do these days, especially with the popularity of intermittent fasting and and people kind of coming around to the, this idea that like more calories isn't necessarily good. Uh, it might help you with your performance right then, but it's not good for what you're trying to train your body to do, which is which is kind of be able to run better on its own. Um, mm-hmm. Can you hear that noise? I Sorry, can't. This yeah. the construction. So, but I will to add to that. You know, if I'm going for a long run, if I'm going for two and a half hours or something like that, you know, I, I need a little bit of something beforehand. So I'll usually just to give you an idea, I'll give I'll do a piece of toast with with nut butter or uh, a little bit of oatmeal. Uh, and with some fruit or something like that, and that uh, that to me will will keep me f- from getting really hungry, which is kind of the you know the worst case is if I'm out there and I'm just I get really hungry and my stomach starts growling or something like that. Yeah, and so what, what I was getting at before that that noise interrupted me was uh, just that like it's not that you should never do a before the workout meal. It's just that there are certain ones where you should, and and everything else you probably mm. shouldn't worry about that, and you'll get some benefit for not worrying about that. Um, if your workout's going to be particularly hard. Or if it's going to be a long run where you're worried actually about getting hungry, not necessarily for performance reasons, but just about the sort of distraction and discomfort of being hungry, um, that's a time to, to eat a before workout meal. And like, I don't know, if, if I have, say, a 45-minute tempo run um, and I'm awake at two hours before, then I'll try to eat something and I'll think a little bit about what I'm having there because it's going to help me get through what I know is going to be a tough workout. Uh, but like, that's not most workouts. Most workouts, 80% of them are, are much easier than that and I'm, I'm not... I'm truly trying to eat anything before I work out. Yeah. All right. Same. All right. So we have not yet done the uh, the the inbox or the hotline question. 
All right, so before we get on it, just a reminder, anyone can call in. We have a voicemail set up. You can call in, leave a message, tell us who you are, what your question is, and uh, and we will try to play it on the air like this and, and answer it. The phone number is 828-585-6585. It's 828-585-6585. Now, let's, uh, let's get to our message. Okay. Hi, my name is Lorraine. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my question as regards to um, training, I'm in the process of training for a, a marathon. I'm doing a marathon in June, and then also I'm running the Berlin Marathon. But I'm also trying to add some muscle tone. Um, I read, Matt, I read your book, and I'm actually in the process of rereading it, but I'm just curious, is it possible to do both at the same time, like to do the, the cardio workouts, the running requires to also to add muscle tone and then how would I eat to be able to do that to be able to do both love the show thank you so much Bye. all right Lorraine thank you for calling in and uh and congratulations on having your message picked out of literally 100 or 200 messages that we had to sort through <laughs> to, to find it uh but uh no we appreciate it very much and uh encourage others to 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 call in um yeah so I, awesome that you're training for a marathon and uh you know like this is a good question there's 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 not one answer like i've been trying to train recently in a, in a sort of unorthodox way of training for marathons and ultras that involves uh having a lot of muscle tone and, and kind of basing your training on just being generally overall fit uh but if this is a, i think you said no i don't know if she said if it was a first marathon or not but um if this is like an early marathon for you i would definitely not recommend um like anything like that. I would just do a traditional training program that prioritizes mileage. Um, and, and really like the runs should be your absolute focus of your week, especially that long run. Like the long run is the most important run, uh, for a, for an, a first or second marathon. Uh, it's just like, that's the hard part is, is that buildup and everything that you do throughout the week should be geared around getting yourself ready and recovered from the previous long run, ready for the next one. Um, so any kind of like hard workouts that that you typically would do to to build muscle uh to me are typically going to just introduce too much of uh, a recovery requirement too much more than your body's already having to do uh during this you know stressful first build up to to 20 miles and beyond uh so i personally wouldn't do very much of that i do think a little bit of of you know kind of core work or light strength training like the type of thing that you could do um, three times a week, perhaps, perhaps 15 minutes after every single run that you do. Um, you know, that kind of thing with like some body weight work, um, that can be great. If it's a, if it's a type of workout that you can do three or five times a week or even every day, because it's just this sort of light strengthening thing. Um, I'm all for that. That's a, that's a great thing. What I was trying to do for my first marathon was I was trying to be in the gym doing, you know, heavy squats and deadlifts and bench press and like, like the, the once a week, go really hard for any one muscle group. Um, and then, and then, you know, spend six days recovering from that. I was trying to do that at the same time as marathon running. And that was a huge mistake, uh, which I just, just didn't know better back then. But like, so definitely stay away from anything that's like just its own strength training program. When you're trying to do a marathon training program, just do, you know, pick something that takes between five and 15 minutes that you can do that you could do literally every day without, um, a problem. Um, and then, and then do it, whatever, three, four times a week. Uh, so yeah, you can, you can, hopefully your body will just naturally build muscle tone as you do a little bit of that. And you're also probably burning a bunch of fat from, from your training, but we have a similar question a lot, which is about weight loss. And people say, can I, can I lose weight while I'm running a marathon or training for a marathon? And like, it's, it's hard because those are really, they both require completely opposite strategies, right? Like running a marathon means, like I said, completely prioritizing recovery, which means eating a lot of calories to make sure you're replacing any calories you have lost. Um, because that's what's going to help you get ready for the next run. Whereas if you're trying to lose weight, then you don't want to replace the calories you've lost. The point of, of many workouts you're doing is, is, you know, to create this caloric deficit. And so you wouldn't want to just immediately eat to, to get those back. Um, so you can see how the two goals really work in different ways. It's not necessarily quite the same with strength training. Like I said, you, you probably can find a way to build some muscle tone. Uh, but again, keep, keep the focus on the running cause that's, that's really what you're there to do. Uh, and then once your marathon's done, shift into something that's more about muscle tone and, and maybe a little less running if if that's if that works for you. 
that was beautifully answered, Matt. I was going <laughs> to hit on every single one of those points, so I'm just not even going to add anything else because I think that's, uh, that's exactly my philosophy as well. All right. Good. Well, thank you, Lorraine, for calling us. Uh, anybody else, if you got so, want something, then uh, please do. You gave the number already, Doug? I wasn't listening that closely. I, I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. But let me give again. 828-585-6585. Give us a buzz, uh, and we'll play your question on the air if you're one of the lucky few. <laughs> but but let's be honest, uh, Lorraine was the only one who called in. So, <laughs> so, so as long as your question's not totally out there, we'll play it. <laughs> yes. All right. Sounds good. I got to go. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, hopefully we will we'll get to the rest of these questions in a future episode or two. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Talk to you later.